No more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. Welcome to Media and the End of the World. Big day today. This is a very, very special episode. Episode 50. We have hung half a hundred on them. We have. And there are podcasts that have done 10, 20 episodes and then folded. So we beat them. Good ones, too. Yeah, good ones. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, Serial? How many was that? (laughs) Really? I mean, what, what? They gave up? (laughs) You know, this is something... uh, Actually, within the last week, a couple of faculty members have reached out to me about podcasting. Uh, for one reason or another, they knew that we did a podcast or they had read on my uh, blog post that I wrote about sort of my, my, you know, how I've thought about doing podcasts and the technology behind it and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, asking for advice. And one thing that I said was, we've talked about this before is it takes a few episodes to really figure out what you're doing, how it works, the type of voice that you want to have for the podcast. And so like mm-hmm. one of my recommendations is don't give up because you know, it's, it's like everything or, you know, every television show, uh, all it seems like the greatest ones. Everyone's like, all right, you've got to manage through. You have to get through season one. You know, yes, we haven't yes. really had character development <laughs> yes. yet. The the writers don't really know what they're doing at the moment. So just you have to trudge through that. But once you get through it, that's where you know the the gold is. That's always actually that's always a good sign when somebody says to me, "Watch X Y Z show." Don't give up until you're on right. episode three. You know, right. that's a good sign because yes. it means there's something substantial there. So like that was the, I was just listening this morning to a Pod Save America episode and they were gushing. It, they, it was actually kind of funny because, you know, they have, they do sponsorships inside of their podcast episodes. And one of their sponsors was whoever was behind Russian Dolls, which is a series that, ah. um, which, which is an amazingly weird good series and and it's something where um and and so they were they were supposed to be doing an ad and they were reading the copy that they'd been given for the ad and then they started making fun of the copy like this is so lame given how good the show (laughs) is and then they started just gushing about the show and it is a great show it's it's because i think that the original ad copy said like an adult version of groundhog day (laughs) you know which is sort of like the matrix saying that it's it's kind of like bambi but not really you know it's just like it doesn't at all capture i don't know if you haven't had a chance to watch that it's it's really worth checking out because it is about you know life death being jewish in new york uh contemporary life it's really really good but you do have to like work through the first two three episodes before it clicks yeah and then and then when it does it's just like this is amazing yeah and that's exactly what media in the end of the world that's (laughs) you made it through the the first few i mean you're you're really catching the the golden age of uh of this luckily the world never ended and we've made it all the way to episode 50 which this was a i think tough semester for us because we were both very busy Mm -hmm. traveling a lot our teaching schedules unfortunately worked against each other's and so it was hard to find free time luckily we 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 recorded a lot in the can was willing to Mm -hmm. give up our partnership to bring in some uh outstanding guests that sort of filled the gaps and we still have made it through and here we are we have 
to episode like, 50. It's like technically like 18 months that we've been yeah. hacking at this. And I, one other one other little reflective thing, I think, about uh, podcasting, because you were mentioning colleagues asking about it. I've started doing podcast assignments in my classes. And one of the things that I've noticed is that for students, they are they kind of intuitively get the format, even if they haven't listened to a lot or they mm-hmm. haven't ever done one, they kind of fall into it fairly easily. And I think, you know, I was thinking about and talking to a friend about this, um, somebody who's actually, he, he's, he, he works for BBC International. He's a wonderful person. I'm kind of hoping he'll be here in the fall. So hopefully he'll be a guest on our podcast at some point. And, uh, you know, I was talking to him about the fact that podcasts are conversations and conversations are a way of communicating with very, very familiar to our students. So as soon and that that would be something that I would tell people too is realizing it's a conversation, right? You know that that you're sharing with somebody in a car or something like that. Whereas radio is always kind of talking at you, right? Or you know when you're lecturing in classes, it's very formal. The conversation is very informal. I thought it'd be interesting to do the way I've thought about integrating podcast into my classes is using it as a reflective conversation on whatever is happening in class. Right. So bringing in a group of students uh, and doing a conversation with them and just using it as an opportunity to talk amongst each other and record it and share it out with the class itself. Yeah. What I do, I do it with my, uh, with my capstone course, they're creative media production students. And at one point in the semester, because I'm a big believer in, uh, uh, this is going to get a little theoretical, but not it won't get too bad. But the a Brazilian educational theorist, Paulo Freire, who talks about trying to make sure that education is democratic spaces, which means that you have to like be talking in terms that are in the language of the people you're talking to, but then it has to be dialogic. It has to be conversational back and forth, not just one directional. And so at one point in the semester, I have the students like basically come into groups and say, you have a day of class time. We can talk. It has to be a media related issue, but we can talk about any issue you want you know you decide let me know what you're thinking about doing so that i know that you're not doing something that's going to be unethical or problematic or something like that but it's not, i've i've really never had to tell a group not to do what they were planning on doing and they've done some kind of edgy stuff that's really interesting so what i did this past semester was and they had really interesting stuff they had one thing on youtube influencers that was really good mm. they had one thing on um on, on sort of it's not really the, the dark web but it's kind of how your information is used against you when you're doing things on the internet. so really fast fascinating topics. And so I told them, okay, you're going to do a class presentation, but I want you to do a half hour podcast of that and just take what you did in the presentation and talk about it. And they were really good. They're, they're, they're excellent podcasts. Very cool. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, of the 49 episodes we have done so far, did we do, did we do everything that your heart desired in those first 49? No. <laughs> we did a lot. I was, you know, because I've been looking over the list, and we covered a lot of ground, and we had some really amazing guests in, and talk. I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I, I would like to. I like goals for the future. Well, we'll save goals for the end, maybe, because I've got a couple of goals okay. in mind of what I'd like to see us do in the future. But um, everything from uh, very personal shows. One of the most moving episodes that I thought was one that you did when I wasn't here, which was talking to one of our colleagues here who had gone through a fairly serious, and this would be uh, episode 23, which was a discussion with Keegan Long Wheeler, who's one of our IT people here on the IT is not right, that kind of undersells what he does. He's an in instructional so, technologist, not information technology, right. but yes, yeah, similar, technology, similar yeah. IT. And he's done 
done, you know, I've, I've done uh, sessions with him for faculty development on, you know, how to integrate things into classrooms and stuff like that. And he's, and he had, uh, you know, he had a, a health problem that involved his brain not working for a little while. And it's an amazingly touching episode. It's, it's, and, and that one just stuck out to me as one that was really kind of moving. And I was glad we were able to land on something that had that note. To right. It. Yeah. So. I, I still, uh, the Chase Cook episode, bringing in uh, a OU alum who was a reporter at the Capitol Gazette mm-hmm. uh, when the, the newsroom shooting took place and talking to him about that, I thought was a, a really, really powerful story. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think was our funniest episode? Our funniest episode, huh? There's a, there's a couple that, that, that struck me that, that I thought, the Kevin Costello one. Yeah. The, he was one yeah, of the co-writers hilarious. of the film Brigsby Bear, which again, if you haven't had a chance to see it, uh, by all means do. It's sort of like Groundhog Day happening once. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, again, it's, it's, if you're not familiar with it, Brigsby Bear is, uh, it's, it was Kevin Costello, another uh, alum of our program, co-wrote it with uh, Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live. And it's a film about a um, uh, young man who realizes that, who eventually figures out, and this all happens like in the first five minutes of the film, that the people that he's living with who have told him that the earth is uninhabitable and they're living in a bubble have actually been lying to him and the earth is all still <laughs> fine and they abducted him many years ago. <laughs> so it's it's a and so he has to like turn into a, a socialized human being. And it's just a riot and Kevin was so funny. It was yeah. really good to have him in. There was one segment that we did where I I believe the question I was asking you was are these game shows still on air? Yes. <laughs> I think yeah, and I think I lost really badly. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty pretty solid one. That was yeah. How is the, how is the world of game shows these days? By the way, um, I think it's uh it's it's okay. So we're we're coming into summertime, yeah, uh, which can be your favorite or least favorite season depending on what kind of game shows you like. You tend to like to have uh, a, a, an affinity for bad movies. Yes. Uh, bad game shows come out <laughs> to play to, to fill the gaps on network television. Uh-huh. You know, so this is this is the time where you start to see some of the most ridiculous game shows uh you know make their debut and usually not last too long but the what's the the, one of the most famous ones uh oh i can't remember what it is but they uh where they where they're they're doing sort of an obstacle course but they're falling all the time you know is uh, (laughs) there's a lot of those yeah wherever that came from yeah uh, I think a lot the, of that was inspired by those like really perverse Japanese game right. shows from a while ago. You know, there, but there was a double whammy for Jeopardy though within the past month, yes. right? Yeah, because there was a, a new all-time champion, wasn't? It? Oh no, there was somebody the guy who was about to be the new all-time champion got knocked out. He right? got, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert! If you're not, oh sorry, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> uh, yeah, his name's uh, James Holzhauer, uh-huh. um, and he's an interesting guy in that. Uh, he spends his time as a professional gambler, I believe, in uh, Las Vegas. But so he, he has essentially hacked Jeopardy for a couple different reasons. One, he's incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But also his strategy for how he plays the game is very different. So the traditional strategy is you've got five categories, questions ranging from uh, in single Jeopardy from 200 to to $1,000 per question, right? So assuming that the $200 question is the easiest, the $1,000 question is the hardest. Traditional gameplay would be you'd start at 200 
of a category that you felt like you had a lot of knowledge and you'd work your way down the category. Well, he played a different type of strategy, which is known as double jeopardy hunting, which is basically you're looking for the tile that's going to allow you to wager uh, whatever you would like to, uh, depending on how, you know, up to the amount of which you currently have. Right. And so he would essentially start categories in reverse order, knowing that double jeopardy tiles are likely to be more towards the harder type right, of questions right. and sort of work around. So that was one of his strategies. The other strategy was he's a he's a gambler uh, and also smart. He kind of knew that if he could always risk everything in these uh, these double jeopardy uh, tiles and either gain it back or just like get such a lead. You know, he was not conservative with his wagers at all that he could uh, that he you know he could sort of work his way up and so he owns now the uh the single day or single game winnings uh record he earned nearly 2.5 million dollars which is just shy of uh ken jennings record but ken jennings was on for like uh something like 60 days or something like that he he his streak ended just shy of that money but he did it in half the time so it was a 32 game winning streak that he had um, but I mean, to, to watch, he was basically winning over a hundred grand a day, you know, just absolutely <laughs> decimating it. But he finally got beat, um, uh, this last week by a librarian, I, I believe. Okay. Let's, let's just pause there for okay. a minute. He got beat by a librarian. A U- that is awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a, a university, uh, actually like a UX librarian. Uh-huh. Uh, university so, of Chicago, I think. I think it's University yeah. of Chicago. Yeah. Um, and she's wicked smart too. I mean, she's fast on the trigger. So mm. anyways, all all is to say like the game in which uh James finally loses. You have to watch because uh. it's almost the most near perfect game that you'll see. Uh. Um of the entire game, uh you know, across both single jeopardy and double jeopardy, there was only one question that was answered wrong. The entire time. Oh my God. By all three <laughs> contestants, uh-huh. so it was it was insanity. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like when you watch these ultimate tournament of the champions, and they're just crazy, crazy good at the game. Yeah. That's sort of how he ends up he ends up getting beat. But she's actually a twenty seven year old librarian uh, who uh, finally dethroned James. So I have to say that that also the uh, Jeopardy is probably the most game show time I spend. Which yeah. you know, again, just sort of like although although the bad game show thing is very appealing. But uh, when my lovely wife and I watch uh, Jeopardy together, the funniest thing in the world is every time Je- Double Jeopardy hits, my wife yells out, bet it all. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Bet it all. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some good uh, good strategy behind yeah. that. So Yeah. So the other thing, though, was I guess uh, Alex Trebek was saying that his the treatments for the cancer he's been um, fighting against he's have gone cl- really well. close to remission. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, which is kind of, yeah, it's kind of awesome. I wouldn't ask him any questions about me too. He didn't handle that too well at one point a while oh, ago, yeah. but that was, that was, that, that was a while ago now. Speaking and, of, of, of me too, mm-hmm. uh, that is, I use that as an interesting marker for our podcast because one of our very first podcasts, uh, was talking about Harvey Weinstein. Right. And the way that I reference it usually is, um, and you can go back and listen to this, you know, there's no reason to take this down, but basically one of the things that I said was, I don't even want to talk about this. Like, I, don't, I don't want to give this guy, right. you know, the airtime, uh, because of, you know, how disgusting it was. And, um, and it's sort of, sort of 
treating it in like almost like a you know mass shooting shooter type you know strategy of like let's not let's not mm-hmm. give this guy you know any more oxygen than he probably needs and, and the reality is is that became such a turning point for the me too movement particularly as it relates to hollywood and we started to see you know everything from uh you know matt lauer to charlie rose to all of these people within the entertainment mm-hmm. industry start to start start to fall because of what that turning point was and so um other things which we've talked about but that that is sort of we started our podcast right as that was becoming yeah uh, you know, coming into the to, to the ether, being exposed through right. through great journalism, journalism. Yeah, and I guess it's it's it, I it, I'm happy to note that you know my fears at the time, and and for all along have been something's going to happen and it's going to kill this movement because there's so much good potential there, and there's you know there are fears of false accusations that sort of thing, but those are minimal compared to the the potential advantages in terms of you know people in the media being able to women in the media especially being able to do work without having to work in all of this you know in these horrible circumstances not just in the media but i mean at at all levels you know women in the workforce and what they have to put up with um and i'm always afraid that these things are going to lose their steam or you know people will get you know kind of exhausted with it or something and then it really hasn't happened um which is good Uh, on a a distantly related note uh, this past week there was an episode of uh fresh air well, I don't know if you caught yeah, this. The, I didn't catch it. But. There was an episode where they were talking to the Sun-Times journalist. I think it was the Sun-Times at the time. Journalist who was doing the R. Kelly story. Uh, and it was an amazing hour. Um, it was because, you know, and not surprisingly, when you get into the details of the R. Kelly story, it's tragic. It's it's horrible. The exploitation of teenage girls, the controversy that it caused along racial lines and everything like that. There's one point in the interview where Terry Gross is trying, is, is talking to him about how, because you get a whole history of how the story developed. It took years and, you know, all sorts of weird shenanigans like a videotape appearing in his mailbox with nothing written on it and him having to figure out what it is and then to decide as a journalist, you know, because what he's looking at is a, a video that is essentially a recording of a crime and you know as a journalist what's his responsibility report on it or turn it over to the Mm. police and he of course turned it over to the police he's teaching at columbia college now and he says that when he talks to students about it or other faculty it's still a pretty controversial thing you know what should be the relationship between you know the the between law enforcement and journalists but there's a point where he's talking about an interview he was doing with one of one of the victims of um uh, you know of this whole thing and and he kind of loses it he's he's yeah. kind of like oh it and it's just this, again it's just like a beautiful human moment of hearing him talk about how and, and he's pretty clearly been you know i don't want to say traumatized because that might be overstating it but he's been really moved by having done this work and it's kind of changed the way he thinks about these things and what's interesting is at the end of it um terry gross who's a really smart interviewer asks so how do we think about somebody's art in relationship to them and he says you know his his response Response, which again you have to go back and listen to but his response was i can't say how you should think about it or how anybody else should think about it you have to think about it and make a decision for yourself it's a lot of different ways to think about it and it's something we're all i think gonna have to deal with at some point oh, yeah. because somebody we love is going to turn out to have been you know done horrible things and you know what yeah. are you going to do with that yeah yeah, yeah. no i i'm st- struggling with that 
as it speaks, I mean, not the, the, this has been recent news, but certainly with the documentary that came out about Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, childhood hero of mine, you yeah. know, and uh, my relationship to his music moving on. Um, moving on, though, um, what episodes should we have done? Have you thought about what was missing? Yes. <laughs> I had a couple of ideas of episodes we should have done. Number one, we should have done, because we we, we, we uh, are obliged to talk about Game of Thrones because everybody has to talk about yes. Game of Thrones at this point in their life. And right. You want to do, let's, uh, I have I have some quick takes, okay. which I should preface, and we will, we will, we will, this will be spoiler free. Can we agree to that? This will be spoiler free. Garen, I'll tell you, part of the reason it'll be spoiler free is because I still have not seen the last episode. Okay. I, so. <laughs> Neither have I. In fact, I've never seen any Game of Thrones episode. Episode, oh, but this, I this, have opinions. Yeah. Okay, you have opinions. Which that's is fan- good. No, that's good. No, my the thing that's been interesting. Uh, or one question that I have is: Are we at the end? And so we've talked a lot about um, how uh, how over time, um, you know, we don't really have these mass audiences watching anything anymore, right? Nothing that brings the world together uh, through media as as media has become fragmented over time across. Uh, different media channels is Game of Thrones uh, cl- the end or the beginning of this mass mm-hmm. audience? That's a, that, that the end or yeah. a rebirth, I guess, would yeah. be the, the way of putting it. In some ways, I can see this being the last time anybody ever does it. Uh, uh, at the same time, I can see this really. Uh, getting people to think again about this does matter uh the 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 binge worthiness you know i mean it's it it makes a lot sense to dribble it out a little bit more and go to a more standard episodic weekly release this kind of stuff what do you think i you know that's i think that's a really interesting problem because uh the, because the mass audience is still not going to be what it used to be, right? Because um, just because the, the the economics of it are different, uh, it's it's still closer to the economics of sort of like the opening weekend of movies. Yeah. And that's it's got to be. You have to have the right weekend without competition, and you have to make that big splash, or else you're going to be seen as a failure, right? Um, and that's similar to sort of like the old television model, being able to deliver so many millions of people week after week to keep your advertising rates up to pay for the programming and, you know, keep the networks in business. So Game of Thrones, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because it became such a conversation piece and especially toward the end, it kind of built up over time. Um, right. Someone I know went back to look at some of the first reviews and was kind of retelling me that they were really kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it was sort of like a, with a lot of other television, took a couple episodes to sort of get their pace and everything like that. Uh, it's always weird to talk to people who are like the Uber fans who've read all the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they complain about the relationship right. between the series and the books and everything like that. Here's, um, here's my other question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, can I add one more yes, thing please. about that before? We, I think what I think what's interesting is we don't have the the water cooler moments on television anymore. Right. But there are things that surface, like they they maybe take a little bit of time to build an audience, and then suddenly a lot of people are talking about them. Well, here's here's one thing that I, I just I just now thought of is even us prefacing this conversation with there's not going to be any spoilers right. is a fairly new phenomenon, right? Because there used to be a point where you just assumed either you watched it last night or you were never 
never going to watch it ever. Right. And so we could have the water cooler moment because we feel comfortable talking about it uh, in open air, right? Where I feel like now uh, part of why the converse, you know, the conversation can't go on too deeply is just simply because uh, you know we're too, we're too scared about ruining you know what could be someone's future experience a decade from now right, right? right you know yeah. we don't want to we don't, we don't want to give give away you know and and as someone who's never watched it i mean you could tell me the ending and say uh this person died this person lived this person died this person lived and whatever and it would it, it wouldn't matter to me yeah. you know like, like well, what's so many characters. really I don't, matter because I've, I've watched the show all the way through except for the last episode and uh i i, I can remember like four characters yeah. names and the rest are like you know that guy who yeah. did that thing <laughs> Yeah, so there isn't. I don't have that level of detail yeah. in the way that I consume that stuff. So, but you know, I, and I remember. I, you know, again, I don't know if this would have been the first um, time that the notion of spoiler came out, but I remember there was this magazine called National Lampoon, ah. and National Lampoon um, was. It's unfortunately there's really not too much like it now, but it was a magazine that was sort of like the magazine equivalent of Saturday Night Live, and in fact, a lot of people in Saturday Night Live had working relationships with people in National Lampoon. They used to have a column called Spoilers, and they would just Interesting. You know, tell you the end of a series of films or books or something like that. And it was just funny that they were, you know, they were kind of like setting aside this little space to kind of like destroy the endings of things. But uh, somebody told me recently that they saw an ad for a screening for Planet of the Apes, and the ad gave away the big reveal in the film. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's sort of like... Well, what? what's funny... Um, Speaking of Jeopardy, is the way a lot of the Jeopardy descriptions are listed on Hulu are like Emma beats James and James <laughs> thirteen. <laughs> it's like no, don't tell us that. You know, like before we watch it, that's the whole point of like us wanting to watch the show. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that stuff, that stuff is in there. Okay, here's here's my other question. I've been thinking about as I've been listening to uh, sports podcasts. So we're in the middle of uh, the NBA Finals right now. Okay, uh, which is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, versus the Golden State Warriors. Um, and uh, what's really interesting is that there are all of these subplots that are happening, right? Um, and there's, you know, who's going to go to, uh, who's going to go up for free agency and leave their team? What's Drake doing at the finals <laughs> games? And like, you know, to what degree is his, uh, you know, his recklessness on the sidelines impacting the game itself? You know, what's this feud that's happening between, uh, you know, uh, an owner's spouse and Jay-Z and Beyonce? Just like all, all this weird stuff. What's happening in the, in the, in the, the hallways towards the locker rooms, right? Um, and it, what I what I've he- I heard on a podcast recently on a, on Bill Simmons was talking about um, the fact that people are following the games less and following the results more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So not watching it to watch the game, but really caring about the results themselves. Right. Uh, and then all of the storylines sort of go along with it. And in some respects, this is my analogy, not Bill Simmons, but it's like, it's, it's like the NBA is coming, getting closer to professional wrestling, you know, <laughs> and that the sport is still like the, yeah. the main thing, but really what you're following is the drama set that, that, that go around them. And so we can talk about them the next day, uh-huh. but really the results are sort of tertiary to the primary things that like really hold people's interest, you know, mm-hmm. like talking about the Toronto Raptors is not, uh, and the fact that they're in the NBA finals is like way down the list of storylines that are kind of being covered by mm-hmm. ESPN right now. 
Well, the, you know, the one moment in it that broke through into my little world, because I'm, I have to admit, I'm more of a hockey fan than a basketball <laughs> fan. Talk about that in a second. But uh, the one thing that, po- and this is, I mean, this is, again, this is kind of an interesting thing is it's it's not everybody watches the same thing. It's sort of like, how are things percolating up? Right. And the thing that percolated up was the res- response to Barack Obama being in the audience uh. in all the games. And it was just like this really, you know, politically biased opinion, but it was a really cool moment. Yeah. Um, that, that, you know, was just kind of like, oh. <laughs> I see, like yeah. interface, real world game kind of right. thing going on. So, so my question is, I don't know if it's a question, but thinking back, relating it back to Game of Thrones and caring, I don't know, a lot of it, I guess, is probably do, is really truly caring about the outcome and where this goes, um, but also just the fact that w- also just creating a space in which we can have this collective conversation. And from what I understand from hearing non-spoiler takes from Game of Thrones, the sort of the, the, the way that the writers wrote the last season felt a little bit reckless, you know, was just trying to hurry it mm-hmm. to an ending that really doesn't exist anyways because it hasn't been written by the original author, you know. Uh, and so uh, just this... Uh, the opposite, I guess, of a slow and painful death is sort of what, <laughs> what happens to Game of Thrones. But, you know, the, the, the thing that I think it did was it created an incredible amount of conversation that I'd argue maybe doesn't happen if, it, if for whatever reason, someone did write the perfect ending, right? right. Because now we get to talk about the fact that um, in some ways it doesn't feel like it's over because it ended in a way that you can't, uh, you, you know, you, you couldn't, you couldn't expect. Is I remember that sort of having the same discussion um, when um, who's the uh, uh, Harper Lee when Harper Lee passed, uh-huh. you know, and a book of hers got oh, released, yeah. and there was a lot yeah. of controversy about. I mean, she obviously didn't release it for a lot of reasons, uh, you know. And, and does and it from tr- the people I've talked to who read it, she's probably on the mark about those yeah yeah so uh, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because i just heard another radio interview this week with um aaron sorkin and the uh, actor who plays tom robinson in the current version of to kill a mockingbird i see and uh the the actor who's playing tom robinson who you know listening to him talk clearly an articulate guy and they're talking about how you got exposed to it initially and he says well i didn't read it when i was in school because i was mostly tracked into special ed classes and i just thought that's really you know, and now he's and so you know in a way his realization of the character and it's a really there's some really interesting complexity involved in putting this on because and, and they talk you know again there was some discussion about this in Sorkin's version he's conscious of the fact that there's kind of a white savior subplot that's going on sure. with Atticus Finch and everything like that but yeah it's it's just uh, going back to the Game of Thrones thing for a second I, one of the things I put down as an episode we should have done was the fan fiction versions of Game of Thrones Season 8. Like, before oh, yeah. Season yeah. 8 actually existed, right. What it would have been interesting to talk to, you know, diehard fans um, about what they are, what they think the storyline should be, and then what it ended up being, which I think yeah. would have been different from what a lot of them would have thought, which eventually led to what I think was one of the most hilarious petitions ever, which was a petition to get HBO to actually go back and do Season 8 over again. And there yeah. were a lot of people who signed, like hundreds of thousands of people who signed it who said do over 
you know, rewrite, re- and do it, you know, do it to the satisfaction of the fans. That's something that I think is different now, too, with the fragmented environment is the influence of fan bases on this and how much they get involved in, you know, how these things happen in terms of the development of storylines and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. That's all. I think to, to further drill my point home game of thrones has created a world in which someone like me who has never watched a single second of game of thrones <laughs> can spend the last 10 minutes sort of debating the merit you know and uh, yeah. of, of the show itself like that's the world we're in now and yeah. i and i'm and i'm fully owning it you know that i i have just given my take on sort of the influence that game of thrones had without actually consume yeah. myself well you know as as nobody who's listened to any episode of this podcast previously will not be surprised to hear i watch a lot of horror right <laughs> and a lot of the conversations i have are with people who don't watch horror about why they don't watch horror you know because it's always interesting i mean sometimes uh, very frequently they'll volunteer why um why they think it's really an unpleasant experience or it's too much for them or whatever uh, but if they don't i usually try to ask them because i'm always interested in why people you know don't so why didn't you ever become a game of thrones watcher um i don't think to your point about how it got a slow start i don't think i heard about it until one of the last seasons Mm -hmm. and um and and katie and i actually had a conversation right before the final season started like should we just go ahead and binge it you know and catch up anyways but that's and that was already like that would be like a 40 hour commitment to get there (laughs) uh hearing the reviews i'm sort of glad that we didn't do it although i sort of i i'm sort of sad i missed out on the 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 media experience of sort of following along the coverage you know and Mm -hmm. and seeing seeing the different takes about it but um but yeah I, i don't um I don't know if there is a specific reason. Um, there probably there probably is uh, some merit to the idea. There's probably more goriness, uh, from what I've heard. Again, not seeing anything than I normally want to, you know, be exposed to for hours and hours at mm-hmm. a time. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons why, like we, you know, we never really got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't. I don't. I don't have a. I think it's same thing with like Breaking Bad. You know, it's probably one of those shows that had I caught it towards the beginning I probably would have uh, stayed with it and got in but it's just a show that I just sort of missed mm-hmm. getting into yeah. you know when it when uh, when it was when it was happening before I, I really realized sort of the uh, the importance that it was having on the media culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of, and, and I mean, in a way, that's partly a commentary on what bubble that you're in, right. right? I mean, so start from the idea that there isn't like bubble and non-bubble, that we're all in bubbles, and it's sort of like the, the shape of the bubble, it depends on who you're interacting with. So, you know, I know there's some consistency to my Twitter feed because of who I follow, sure. and certain things are going to come up. One of the things, I was just going to mention this in passing, that, um, that I've decided is going to be in my fairly near media future is the when they see us netflix series which is the series about the um what are a group called the central park five uh the the discussion about it and this is something interesting it's sort of like what pushes you over into actually committing to it um and it's less a timeliness thing than like is there enough of a of a pile of opinion that says this is something worth investing the time and energy into and so i'm hearing that about this series when they see us and so i'm very interested in getting to that sooner rather than later um 
because I've just heard it's uh, Chernobyl also, which is another. Yeah, we actually. Yeah. HBO. Yeah. HBO. Sorry. Uh, We we watched the first episode of that last night Mm -hmm. and I. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. No, I got a really strong recommendation from a. uh, uh, a, 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 a Kansas University of Kansas student who's a sophomore <laughs> who's into physics and she said it's great it's the best television show I've ever seen really? which is kind of an odd you know that's an odd trajectory but yeah uh, I wish I could still have those kind of hot takes yeah like there was probably a time in my life I would watch something and say that is that's the best I've ever seen of yeah. anything ever I don't know if I can I can say that <laughs> anymore that's really hard for me to commit to at this uh-huh. point yeah uh, I was listening to a podcast where a guy was talking about, um, uh, you know, the, the the favorite movie that you tell everybody is your favorite movie and then your yes. actual favorite movie, you know, <laughs> and he, this, is, this is an actor saying, I finally got to the point, the point where I can, I can own that Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite movie of all time, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm, I'm fine just saying it. Yeah, so. there, was, there was a listicle circulating, and again, these things kind of cycle around, but I didn't see it until like about three weeks ago, where people were asked, where there was the question was, what are the five movies you've seen the most? Which is uh, kind of an interesting right. indicator right. that's a little different from the question, what are your five favorite films? But, right. you know, what films have you put yourself through, you know, multiple times? Yeah. And and the list of people were coming up with were quite interesting. Yeah. There was definitely a category of sort of like childhood favorites yeah. that ended up there. And a few things that are, you know, on my list of, I always have this, and I actually have a written list of this, things I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, which, you know, you've just heard so much conversation about and you still haven't gotten around to watching it. And I usually try to go back and you know check off a couple of those every once in a while but a lot of those are on the list of things that people have watched the most so all right last 10 minutes where do you want to go from here that's a good question i would i one of the things that i think i would i would be very critical of us of is that um because it's always something to be conscious of is um i think the diversity of voices that we bring here can be wider you know i think um getting a little bit more not not not, you know getting a little bit more of differing perspectives in here um on the podcast and we've had a pretty a pretty good variety but you know i still think in the media environment there you know it's a complicated thing and people do a lot of different good work we've talked to a lot of really interesting people but i think uh getting in people who are you know maybe more uh, involved in social media um, mm. Which you know is is a, a generational thing. Yeah. Um, would I think be something I'd like to see us do in the future? I agree. I think that um, one thing that's been really helpful for us is that as mm. guests come through our college, uh, there we're able to get them to come through here, and that lends a whole variety of different stories and opinions that we would have never been able to do uh on our own and that's really fun because we're getting outside of our circle of friends mm-hmm. um but we're probably still just getting you know the, the circle from our circle of friends you know we haven't got three or four degrees away from it yet um and we've we've probably uh we've probably gotten people that are more tied to traditional media outlets than we have non-traditional ones as well so yeah, yeah. haven't haven't really been able to pull too many from uh more of the strategic communication side of things which yeah, would be really yeah. interesting to pull in here. i think it would be yeah I, I think that would be a that would be a fascinating thing to do to to just kind of diversify in that way and then um diversify in terms of uh you know different different 
context that people bring to the media experiences that they're involved with too keeping in mind that 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 you know i do like the kind of jaundiced side of what we do yeah <laughs> there's you know there's a little bit of a we don't want to take this too seriously this could easily descend into uh political ranting and i think we keep pretty safely away from that and stay pretty much with the idea uh and this is something that i've always felt very strongly about that you know what we offer on this is different ways of thinking about media sure you know uh, self-indulgent often i'll admit <laughs> but you know trying to bring different perspectives to it what about you what's your what would be your your goal for the next 50 um <laughs> i i i really enjoy the little segments that we've had like playing games or like guessing things oh, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that i would like to see uh some consistent segments we got to come up with something it's like questions we always ask guests right um that you know that that we can sort of do rapid fire style uh uh, or different different segments that we always come come back to that people can think of just to just to have some consistency be uh amongst our episodes which you know usually the our episode format is um a little you know uh five minutes of life banter and catching up on what's going on followed by three or four different subjects that are happening within the media itself, you know, uh, which is fine. Um, but just a a way to structure sort of what the episode is. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's always been a goal of mine. I just can't, I can't come up with ideas that are good enough or be willing to commit to anything that, Uh you know, I felt is, but that's, that's what I would, I would maybe think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that idea. I like the idea of, uh, of having uh, a couple of questions that kind of get people centered, you know, again, I mean, even if it's something that is, uh, you know, fairly predictable kind of category, but just to, yeah. What's, what's, at people. what's a book you read recently? Or, you yeah, know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Or what's the what's the book you tell other people they have to read? Right, that's what, that's like one that. of my favorite questions. Yeah. Is like, what's the book that you've gifted the most, right? Oh, yeah, to somebody. Yeah, it's a yeah. interesting. We'll interesting have to work. On, we'll have to work on. A list. That's someone. That's one's out. Somebody else's, you know, famous question. So we, I won't steal that one. But uh, uh, whose famous yeah. question is that? Uh, Tim Ferriss. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. He, okay. He, that's one that he always asks. Is yeah. what's, what's the book that you've gifted the most? Which I love that question. Did you ever? Were you ever a consumer of the actors? studio did you uh, ever watch that not consistently oh gosh that was you know again this is sort of like one of those things that where it, that, it's sort yeah. of like an early podcast and i mean yeah. a similar similar type yeah. of interview format yeah. Yeah. long form mm-hmm. yeah and the way he would ask questions on there i mean it was just a really interesting interview format yeah so. all right anything else no not really we'll be uh, uh hopefully I, I don't know what's going to happen next because we have to do episode 51. <laughs> That's right. We're pro- and we'll probably have a little bit of a break yeah. uh, just given the, the the slowness of summer at the institution traveling mm-hmm. that's happening as well. So Yeah. But, of course, you know, we're always interested in uh, any feedback that you have. So please, by all means, drop us a note um, and let us know if there's something. If you have a question you'd like to hear people we've got here talk about, you know, we can certainly consider it and try to bring it up uh, or media issues you think that we haven't gotten around to that we should get around to because there's a lot of stuff out there it's yeah, just kind of an absolutely. endless supply so I, I i should end with this thank you for uh conceiving this idea and then sticking with it with me for oh, sure for, for, i haven't been fired yet uh, that's that's <laughs> well, I, you that, know that's i really look for, i look forward to doing this for a bunch of different reasons i, I love talking to you about this because we're we're actually very different in terms of our 
consumption patterns, consumption patterns, and what we consume. And so those, I learn a lot from you, actually, which is really great about your way of thinking about the way you incorporate it into your life and your teaching and everything else. It's 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 really good for me to to get exposed to. So I always look forward to this. I get very excited about you know coming in and talking about media with you, and I never, you know, I never feel like oh here we go again. I always feel like oh cool, this is going to be, and you know something that I think and and something that I feel good about in terms of what we've done is I think every time that we've finished the podcast and then you know sort of said our goodbyes to our guests and everything they always seem to be kind of like they they it's like they have this consistent way of saying it that was a lot of fun that yeah. went really well yeah they're like surprised because i think they think it's going to be creepy and weird yeah and i had up, yeah yeah i had one conversation with the recent guest where she's like okay so is this is this your job is this what you do like for the university is you just you bring people in for podcasts <laughs> and you interview them because you seem like so professional and like you did that so well and i'm like no i'm i'm just a dude who found a room with microphones <laughs> you know, like, and uh, you know rent it out so we can do our own thing that's 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 the extent of my profession Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, I appreciate the, the I, I appreciate your getting involved in this. And like I said, I'm looking forward to the next 50 episodes and uh, hopefully some some great guests that will come through and make themselves available to us. And uh, we can make them part of this fantastic podcast media world we all find ourselves in. All right. There you go. 